Hi, I'm Paul Verhoeven. I'm the director of Basic Instinct. And I'm Jan de Bond. I was a director of photography on Basic Instinct. Karolko, not there anymore, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. One of the many companies gone. That was a great company. The music is Jerry Goldsmith, and it took us forever to find the, the main theme. Um, I think we spent about a month going back and forward between all kinds of possibilities, and we could never settle for something that pleased me. Um, and it drove him crazy, I think. I think in retrospect, it's all fine, and we became very good friends because it was a very tough uh, collaboration in the beginning. But then uh, one day he came up with a little part for a certain scene where it didn't work either, I felt. But I suddenly th thought, oh, perhaps it works in another scene. And then we put it there, and it worked. And from there on, he could write the score in one, in one, in one run. There were never any problems anymore. It was just the tone of the music was so difficult to find. This kind of threat and this kind of elegant, charming, seducing tone that, of course, is the character of, of Sharon Stone. I think it's really brilliant that final that final team he came up with. And I think it became an instant classic. Everybody kept uh, talking about how great the music was. I think it's really, really brilliant. I also liked the, the, this title sequence, Paul. I think it's really great yes. to use those kind of... No, it was great. The idea, this was uh, uh, done by Wade, uh, Wayne Fitzgerald. And I think we, and he shot some, some. I think we used some shots of the movie of the two bodies of, of Sharon and Michael. So what you see there are bodies, but it is multifaceted. And yeah, it's like the, it, because mirrors are used so much in a movie, and I think this is kind of really introduces that that whole mirror effect quite, quite, quite unique. And right. I think it's really great because it goes right into the first shot, kind of the nice transition. Well, yeah, the, and the idea was we never achieved that because we started this process too late. The idea was that it would all the facets would build up really to the to the next shot by the because it also has very strong lines. Remember there exactly, the yeah. lines uh, as you shot it basically that all these lines would be basically found by the, by the by the facets. Mm -hmm. But it, now. We never got that, and so it's just an over. It's just a fade over, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But still, it's you get the idea of the mirror on the ceiling. I think yes. it's really cool, and the and the, the 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 triangles in the ceiling. I think it works really cool. So this is, uh, and we never use stand-ins. So whatever you see is is real, and all these elements that you see here in the scene, uh, which is a kind of a erotic scene, clearly with some uh, sadomasochistic elements. Um, all the sh all the elements like the mirror, um, the, the 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 fingers in the mouse, uh, the bed, the scarf that's coming up, the white scarf. Uh, the way she is sitting on top of him, the way she ties him up. Um, all these elements will be used later in the scene uh, between Sharon and Michael, uh, which, w which when we see that scene, of course, will prove to us, or at least makes us fear that, what, that the end of the scene, of course, like in this one, will be a killing. I remember how she started to hate this scene when we were shooting it. I mean, endless sitting naked on top of this. It was like an extra, wasn't it? I mean, it was not. No, <laughs> yeah, he came from a really different kind of, uh, let's say, visual industry. Let's yeah, call it yeah. that way. Yeah. And, and Sharon I basically. Mean, he, was, he was used to it, but yes. I don't think he really was. Yeah. And for her, it was a really. But the harshest thing was, of course, that while we were doing this, Jan asked me to throw all blood over her continuously so that it would really be gruesome. 
yeah. and she nearly fainted. She was, yeah, she was really disgusted by it. I still remember I could, I mean, my, my, my whole outfit, my, my shirt, my pants were so, so under the blood, I couldn't right. get it out. I had to throw it away. I was basically. sprouting it right in her face <laughs> and over her breast, and she, she really hated it. And, um, and one of the shots that you saw there, the shot where the, where the, uh, where the um, ice pick goes through the nose of Johnny Boss, that was a puppet by Robert Boutin for that one shot of a couple of less than a second or something like that. This is a real location, uh, I think, that uh, Jan and I uh, found after uh, the, the location people presented us with a couple of possibilities. Yeah, it is a beautiful heart. Although most of the, of the movie is shot in the studios, this is actually one of the very few locations we used. The Picasso, of course, is not real, but we had a, an artist coming in that uh, that repainted a couple of Picassos that are visible in the movie. In this scene, you just saw, and in the one that uh, we see in in Catherine Tremell's house house later. What's it say, Doc? Ninety-two degrees. The idea here was really, I think, what we had, Jan, was to to make uh, to make the camera move all the time without really much cutting it, isn't it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the camera kind of leads you through the story. It kind of helps you tell the story. In fact, the interesting thing is when you start to look at these shots, not the cutting that you see here, but uh, immediately after that, that um, the actors are nearly leading the camera. I asked the actors basically to move from one point to the other so that Jan could choreograph the camera in the most, let's say, um, gorgeous way, I nearly would say. For me, there were a lot of influences there of Fellini and notably, uh, like, like Eight and a Half and Dolce Vita, but notably uh, Touch of Evil of Orson Welles. Yeah, they, uh, Touch of Evil had a lot of those really long shots that, that followed the axis through, through the house, and it's really amazing. But we have actually also a lot of Hitchcockian shots, which we're definitely going to point out later in the movie. But it's interesting, if you look at the police uh, scenes, um, here and in the precinct, we mostly used um, a kind of a, a floating movement. And when we were with Catherine Termel and his detective work, we are using a lot of Hitchcockian style, I think. I think a lot of the scenes in the precinct are also done in this kind of floating um, Steadicam style. I think this was stead shot Steadicam, isn't it? Or did you no, use this was on, on, Yeah, this was in that kind of floating arm that uh, that uh, that we used a lot, Paul. That remember the little yeah, device? right. That basically that that. Uh, that you invented for the movie. Exactly, yeah. And that worked really cool. It could go up and down, and the camera felt very free all the time, and you could go around. Have you ever used it again? Um, not too often, because no. it's very hard to use. I mean, there's also Steadicam, isn't it? Oh, on, yeah, yeah, on the yeah, streets, yeah, yeah, and yeah, we were yeah, running and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. That's all Steadicam. Yeah. Uh, this is, this, uh, yeah, let's say, very close to the Bay Area, uh, Divisadero, it's called. The street, I think, is called Broadway. It's all um, um, in San Francisco. And I still, uh, let's say, regret that I hadn't put a naked Leilani on top of the roof that she would be <laughs> sunbathing because she comes down in the next scene. And I thought it would be great in the wide shot, which we shot from a crane or something. Right, it right, very right. high. Yeah, very, yeah. The, these shots, both the, the high angle and, and this shot, they're very Hitchcockian shots. Yeah, because the camera's so low here, and yeah. the other ones are high, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Hitchcock tend to use that. The very high establishing shots slightly from the back and create a lot of mystery, of drama. And I think that works the same as the extreme low angle shots. 
But even here, our camera is really low all the yeah, time, yeah. isn't it? Well, I like to. The things I like to show, you know, how you. The, I like to show the ceiling. I like to show the audience. This is a real location. It's like it's not a set. It's it's these are re- real people living in this house. Actually, that's also a fake Picasso. Picasso isn't yeah, it? no, <laughs> right. I don't remember. As he points out, he's bigger. Seriously, and we made them. We had to make them. Or uh, basically, that was the demand of the of the of the family, the Picasso family. We had to. We could copy them exactly. It was no problem. But we should change the size a little bit so that there would not be any possibility that it could be a fraud. Exactly. Yeah. So we made it a touch bigger or a touch larger, uh, a touch smaller, depending what was the best for the scene. It's really good looking. I think it was a great introduction here at the top of the stage. It's also it's a classic Hollywood introduction, but really, 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 really perfect for this movie. Well, Roxy, do you know where your friend is? She's at. I think this was the first time that Leilani Sherrell uh, did the movie, and it is the last time she did it too, because after that she was kind of kidnapped, I would say, by Miguel Ferrer, one of my actors of Robocop, and uh, they married, and she has a. Uh, a a family now and two children and it's very happy uh, outside the Hollywood circuit he has has kept her hidden again what you're going to see here is again is um, in the next shot is a really um, Hitchcockian isn't it this whole yeah this totally and it's it's always slightly from the back so like so you kind of reveal with them where, where they're going it's like it creates like a very creepy feeling and the music is really, it's, it's not Hitchcock, but still, I mean, there is correspondence between Je- what Jerry did and, and Bernard Herrmann, clearly. In it, totally. Especially yeah, yeah. In, in, in movies like uh, like Vertigo. But this is a clearly a, another location. Um, well, I think half of the film is, is location, half of it is, is studio, really. All the precinct is studio. But, yeah, precinct uh, studio, but some, yeah, I think And even the, the, the room we saw um, in The Killing of Johnny Boss was in the studio. In the studio, it? too. Uh, yeah, because I of all the nudity, we didn't want to do that on location. Yeah, I <laughs> think that lo- uh, most of it, I mean, 80% maybe might be the studio. Extent. Right. Yeah. This, was, this was all there, you know. This is yeah. a, a, a villa in Carmel at the sea. And so when you see uh, Catherine Tremel there at, uh, at, at, uh, on the balcony, that is really um, the balcony that's at that villa. This is a famous introduction. We had, we had major trouble with this scene because here we had to introduce the leading character of the movie. And if you wouldn't buy it here, the movie wouldn't work. And we worked a lot on this scene. And actually, we ended up reshooting it a few times. Yeah, we, we, because somehow when we started to do this scene, Sharon could not get into the character yeah. of Catherine Tremel. It was very early in the movie. And her dialogue and the way she was expressing herself, lost. Uh, she lost really, really the conviction of being Tremel. I think it looked like she was doubting herself as Catherine Tremel. And so ultimately, um, we felt that it didn't work. But... Of course, what Michael and, jo- and George did was fine. And Jot- jo- Joost, um, Joost, Jan uh, shot it here in the most interesting way on, on, to the, towards, towards um, Michael and, and George, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And with this very heavy, low sunlight. Yeah, very he- and, and also I, I put those mirrors in behind her, like those big reflections you see behind her. It's like it's just pieces of mirror put in there, hidden behind the railing to make the shots more mysterious, to give her more, make her more special. 
Also, I think we did it because we felt that that you would have a bit more, let's say, uh, correspondence with the other shots in it. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. There, mm -hmm. without that that light there, what you see there on the left side, which is this, the, like like a sun shot, it's, it's like the sun in the mirror or something. Right, like. right, it's right. a lamp, isn't it? Right. No, actually, it's a mirror itself, and it reflects yeah, the sunlight back into it. Yeah, it's a lamp you shoot yeah, in yeah. the mirror. Yeah, that's right. But it yeah. looks like sunshine a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Even yeah. in that shot, you you just saw it. Yeah. And it is basically makes her shots much more for me, made them much more equivalent to the. Shots of Michael and and George because because they're so how you call that backlit, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're very dramatic, and her shot had to be dramatic too. I mean, this in her introduction, so we had to really work on that and make that really special, unique. I mean, the, the performance you see now is the one that we did on, that of her is the second time that we did the scene, and 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 of course by then she had really gotten a great grip on the character, and it was it was interesting that after the after we shot the scene for the first time she was desolate because she felt that basically she had not achieved what she wanted to do, and that was clear. And Jan and I talked about it, and yeah. I talked to her, and I had a long conversation with Sharon sitting on the balcony, and I really talked to her and, 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 and was nearly proving to her that she was perfect for the part and she had that talent to do it. And, and basically the next day she came to the set and it was yeah. like a miracle. And you'll see the scene later, that is when Michael comes to the house for the third time, you'll see the scene later. But uh, then she was exactly Catherine Termel and yeah. she, the first take was like perfect. That was a long shot. We started far away because we were not sure how, how it would develop. And we, Jan and I were looking at each other. I said, Chang, we got it, isn't it? That's or she exactly got right. it, in yeah. fact. We didn't well, get actually, anything. We were even thinking that the studio was even afraid if she could play the part, if we wouldn't have to replace her at one point. And yes, no, that was at that point. Exactly. And yeah. we were all... And, and I, I had done a test with her, which was so great that it was kind of amazing that it didn't work. But, of course, it worked ultimately perfectly well. Yeah. She did, of course, an, an excellent job, and, and, and no doubt. But there was a moment there of, 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 of uh, hesitation and, and like not being able to reach into yourself deep enough to get that d diabolical character out, isn't it? With so much charm. Exactly, exactly. So this is all studio. I mean, every every office in the police police uh, station is built on the stage. And, and and we did a fantastic job to really, Terry Marshall, to really make it look like it's a real station. Like m normally when you see a movie, you can almost instantly recognize it as as a studio set. And, and almost all the set he built look so real. And I think... One of the things that makes it help and uh, that they feel so real is that we put ceilings in every place. So we always could f feel like, oh my God, they must be somewhere in that in a real station. Yeah. And we and we and of course we uh, and outside we always put uh, we had enormous trans light there in it. Yeah, many, yeah. many of them. <laughs> so that you could reach every room could had has its own trans light. Yeah. And actually even the trans light were at different times of day, so we could change them. It's morning, afternoon, late sunset, night. I mean this was Jean Triplehorn's first part. She just came from uh, Juilliard uh, Academy in New York, and she had done some stage work, included some nudity, which was very handy for us because she was not <laughs> afraid of that. And this was the first time she did um, she did the film part, and she had the theater education. So it took took her a couple of days to adapt to the let's say the rigid rules of cinema making, where you cannot move too much around. You know, on the stage you can run from the left to the right, and and she she was inclined to do that. But she developed very fastly a feeling for the limitations and the smallness of movements that you need for for for, for movie making. That's right. I mean her. Uh, 
and as you can be a lot smaller as an actor an actress on the set and you have to be on the stage or, or you have to project a lot more yeah she had to learn really that the camera can do a lot for her and that she has to play with the camera as much as she has to play with the actors and again, this is, as, as Jan said, it is all, let's say, continuation of the same set. In fact, we used two stages and we, and we connected the two stages through the long corridor that's in the middle. So it's, it's, it's one uh, extended stage, really. I mean, there is certainly some bad blood there between um, this man, <laughs> who yeah, is his yeah. kind of supervisor, and, um, and, and Michael Douglas, which certainly has to do with what happened to Michael in, in the past, where he was on a drug, uh, undercover drug operation and was on drugs himself, himself, as we find out later. And um, because he was on drugs, he was, in his way, he was handling the case, notably shooting at the, at the, at the, at the criminals. He shot a couple of tourists and uh, was nearly eliminated from the force. So his supervisor there in the back has not really too much sympathy for uh, for Michael, and he was set up the let's say this enormous this 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 strange character that is so rich and so talented and is a book writer, a novel writer, and wrote a book of course um, that is really uh, very close to the killing. This is also studio. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, this is all stage, and again like those those the backings which you. And we always put something in between the backing, like in this case, put some smoke outside to right. really make it look as, as like a real, like a real house on one of the San Francisco hills. I just saw. I was just looking at old Hitchcock movies, uh, uh, going through to the one. I saw that they used smoke in the rope. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've definitely seen that movie. <laughs> Again, this scene um, is not uh, is, is 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 only important in as much as it sets out that the killer is a diabolical and very dangerous person. That's the whole. That's most of the essence of the scene is to make us, as an audience, scared that there is somebody around that could be um, that's a killer and seems to be killing really for no much reason. Someone who wants to harm the writer read the book and enacted the killing described to incriminate her. Well, what if the writer did it? Then what are we dealing with? You're dealing with a devious, diabolical mind. You see, this book had to have been written at least six months, maybe even years, before it was published, which means that the writer had to have at least planned the crime in the subconscious back then. Now, the fact that she carried it out indicates psychopathic obsessive behavior in terms not only of the killing itself, but also in terms... Which is true, isn't it, what he says there? That's exactly what Sharon did. Now, sometimes I can't tell shit from Shinola, Doc. <laughs> what was all that you just said? She intended the book to be her alibi. Correct. And of course she's going to say that, isn't it? That's the same line that Jean is, is prognosing here. I wouldn't do that because then I know I'd be the suspect. So what if it's not the Palmer, now we cut to Jean because suppose she, go, she read the book. Suppose that Jean read the book, Beth, the character, and that she did it. So it's planting a little element there of suspicion if there would be next to the real suspect, which is of course uh, Sharon, if there would be any possibility that that Gene Triplehorn would be involved in the case in some way or be even in a major way. We don't play that card um, at all for a long time, but I, I think by, by the way we cut it there, we planted that at the time when, when Michael says, suppose that was somebody that read the book. So that means, of course, if you cut to Gene there and Gene becomes a suspect, which, she be, uh, which is, is, in, in, is happening in the movie, then... Um, then there is this thing in the background that she might have done it, you know. This is a really steady cam here. 
And it's interesting because we are going into the elevator. The elevator seems to move. We make a trembling of the camera there. And uh, and then the cam that opens again. Now we change the whole background very fastly during the couple of seconds that we were inside the elevator. And when the door is open, it looks like a different... A like floor, a different yeah. uh, floor, but we are still on the same floor. Yeah, we do that actually several times in the movie because, we, of course, we couldn't afford to build two, two sets uh, on top of each other in the studio. And it's also it's more efficient and more economic. Yeah, we also do it in the in the very last scene of the very last scenes of the movie yeah. where Gus is going to be killed. Isn't exactly. It? Actually, then we do it three times back yeah. to back. Yeah. It really works. It's very. Yeah, you don't see it, isn't it? I mean. Just by putting a lot of people suddenly there, it made it like look a different. And I think we changed a little bit. Some people came in very fast during these 50 seconds, changed a couple of elements in the background, put some other plants right. there. Here's one of these Hitchcock shots, isn't it again? Yeah, typical, yeah, yeah. It's nice to see the house, you know, placed against the, the drama of the ocean. I think it's really, it sets, set, it, gives, it creates like a mystery. And I think that's really important. I'd like you to come downtown to answer a few questions for us. Are you arresting me? That's the way you want to play it. Could I change into something more appropriate? It'll only take a minute. Come on in. Make yourselves comfortable. This is the interior of the real villa that's there, isn't it? We yeah, just this is yeah, this is a real location, yeah. And it's the same one where the balcony is and what you saw before, so there's no cheating here. It's all all real and we just shot it as as it was. Of course, he put that there for him, isn't it? Cop cleared in tourist shooting, which is, seems to be accidental that that newspaper is there. But uh, that that's about him. And she she made she's so clever. Look, she's naked here. Don't forget it. But um, um, he is he's trying to to see how uh, she puts her dress on there. I love the all those those mirror shots. How mirrors reflect into other mirrors. That gives him a, like a free look at her without her noticing ever that he's watching her. Although, of course, he's very aware of it. She knew that. And he she's was aware watching. that he's aware oh, of absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. Totally, it's all yeah. done for him. Yeah, it's all a play. She's leading. Is that here? Is she already kind of in command? I said this scene is kind of amazing because normally you see dialogue scenes in cars. It's always filmed from the outside in. And all the camera angles in this shot are inside the car, which is, you know, that's also very Hitchcockian. He never lets you go far away from your actors, so you really feel that you're inside the windshield. And it is a lot more impactful than if you put your cameras outside the windows, what normally you would do in scenes like this. It's and basically Hitchcock, if we're shot, this is shot for real. Totally, this is the yeah. real road yeah. behind it. Absolutely. We shot it on that road. Totally, Hitchcock yeah. would use reprojection. He would, in he would reprojection, yeah. <laughs> and it was very difficult. There's a shot at the very ending, which, we, which I like. And we tried and tried and tried to get the sun doing exactly what we yeah, wanted to right do. Right behind her. You'll see it a, a little bit later. And suddenly then yeah. it, it goes over her face. Yeah. And it was really, you had to... You had to, 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 to time it out that when the dialogue was at that point, that the sun would reach her face. Exactly. We had to find a piece of road that, that exactly at that right moment, that there would be a turn in the road, like, like there, that the sunlight would hit her and put her in it to like, almost like a halo. It becomes even more clear in the, in the very last part. He falls for the wrong woman. There you go. That is. See, that's like... Those little moments are very, very amazing to me in this movie. That makes it so makes her character so. And then special. it goes, isn't it? And it gets the only only a line on the side of her face. Yeah. 
And now it's really dark. Her face gets because it gets really backlit now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, it's interesting if you look at Shadow of a Doubt. He, he achieved something like that in the very beginning when the train enters the station and 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 uh, Joseph Cotton arrives, That's and right. he had the smoke of the loco of the locomotive um, go th uh, between the sun, and suddenly the whole uh, the say where the people are standing waiting for the train gets into a kind of a darkness, and the, li the little brother stays there on the foreground. is very ominous, and it's a great shot, and it's it's a similar situation basically where he used the sun. To create a dr dramatic yeah. moment, absolutely, yeah. It's clearly not a lamp, it's just yeah. a white shot that it yeah. was the sun, really. This, this, Tell something about Yeah, yeah about this, this the, scene the is really amazing because, you know, those interrogations seem normally are very, very boring and, and, and the square white rooms, and I wanted to be more specific and unique. I wanted to, her to be almost like, like, a, like a stage, in a sitting on a proscenium. So we made the room very narrow and with very low ceiling so that it would be really her against them. And to make it even more dramatic, I put those lights on the floor. Of course, normally you wouldn't light, find lights on the floor, but it would create for, it seems like architectural Mondrian-type lighting that makes it very, very dramatic. And, and I think that lighting in that particular scene became quite well-known and has been copied in many, many commercials afterwards. No, is that so? Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, everything seems to be, be. That's one of the scenes that you feel is 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 kind of what close to perfect, isn't it? It's yeah. It's 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 really her against them. But she's the goddess. She's in in, in the light. She's in the focus. While they're kind of sitting in the dark. And of course, Ellen Morosna gave her this this veil of innocence, which is the white uh, the exactly. white dress, yeah. isn't it? the virgin dress, <laughs> the the Grace Kelly type dress. Which is really, really perfect for this scene. I mean, she's much more blunt in her sexual innuendos or language than they than they dare to be. So she's in command because of that. Yeah. Isn't it? She's more daring sexually than they are. Uh, see, but she controls interrogation. That is a good part of the scene. That she, from the very first moment she enters, she she's in charge. There are li very small, a uh, little um, uh, time cuts in the scene, and then here, of course, this this uh, basically bring her hands up again has to do with what we saw earlier, isn't it? The killing of Johnny Boss with his hands tied up. So there are little, let's say, elements, visual elements that that indicate, of course, not her guilt, but uh, her association with with, with with the killing in in whatever possible way. And here's the argument, of course, that uh, Jean Triplehorn, Beth has already foreseen that she would be going to use. The answer is no. He's afraid, of course. She's so important and well-known and rich that the supervisor is afraid to offend her. Drugs, Mr. Mill. But you ask yourself, and she says that, when you look at the glinstering in her eyes, you ask yourself, is, is, she, is she lying, probably, isn't it? Have you ever fucked on cocaine? Yeah, but she, I mean, of course, but, but she looks so incredibly beautiful and sexy there that those guys have no chance. And of course she's insinuating and, this and showing other things. Yeah. Well, this is one of the famous shots. I mean, was it, was it true, which I, I thought you said one time, that in the close shot I wasn't even there? I don't. I don't remember. I mean, um, the thing is that once you ask, the people ask me, "Why would she know and not know? Have known what? What you could see?" I said, "Listen, if you put a camera between somebody's leg, legs, and you have a little light there, it's 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 most likely that you will see something." <laughs> But uh, no, no, you definitely. On top of that, there. we we shot it. Uh, we had video uh, standby all the time, yeah, and she exactly. checked all the shots out, yeah, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, the video you cannot see it. Too and well, anyhow, I, I, I don't think it's a problem for her anymore, the whole situation, no. because I think she, she feels that it really was an essential element of the movie. But well, it created, it generated so much publicity for her, positive publicity that, you know, he was no, even I think that that specific shot almost made her a star. <laughs> But it's really, I think, also her control of the situation, which, which course, basically makes that shot so, so, let's say, the complete expression of her dominance. Yeah, it? and that's why it was so necessary to have that shot. You know, even if she can say she didn't want it or not, it was it was essential for the scene for that shot to be in. She really controlled him from top to bottom. I book about the murder of a retired rock and roll star. I went down to his club. I picked him up. And I had sex with him. And her expressions, I think, were really, really good. She really played the scene brilliant. The kind of really cold but very seductive goddess almost. And, and, and in fact, there was a, we had a lot of fun doing the scene because they, often these people suddenly started to uh, started to, to sing at the end of a take. Do you remember that, Jan? Mm, yeah, I yeah, think right. it's still on one of the dailies. Perhaps they can find that. But then they would, so they would be talking and do the scene, and at the end, you would all Michael or somebody would start a song. And rah, rah, rah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, everybody <laughs> really had a great time. But yeah. it, it looks very tense. But the actors were extremely relaxed, and I think they all felt that it was a great scene. So yeah, they yeah. felt confident that they were doing something really good yeah absolutely see i like those those combination shots where you see something happening in one room and then and see reacts she knows that the camera is there and she knows that he's watching at the same time at her so that little look at her at at, at michael is perfect perfect time it's like a nearly a multi multi-screen situation that they're trying to do now isn't it yeah yeah it's very suggestive her look is, of course, timed, isn't it? She's, she knows what, what we're doing, and she gets a cue from me to say, look in the camera. <laughs> Sorry to inconvenience you. Could That's someone give me a ride home? Sure. Again, as you see, the ceilings are always in the shot. It makes it, gives us, like, a lot of reality. I mean, was the production designer happy that you asked for the ceilings? No. <laughs> or the, probably not the producer, is <laughs> it? Because it's definitely not. more expensive. <laughs> Yeah. There's a nice cut, splash cut, I think, from the inside to the outside. I love the little the shot where she steps out of the car with a little feet. Right. This is, this is studio, isn't it? This, this shot we shot, um, we shot, this is reprojection, in fact. Yeah. And with, with rain that we brought into the studio. That's right, right, right. So the rain elements are true, and, 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 but it's a car that is our own uh, suspension, I think. And we move the car a little bit, and you move, move the camera. Exactly, yeah. But it is uh, it's streets of, of San Francisco where that we shot before, isn't it? So yeah. they are reprojection plates. Well, the reason we had to do it, because the lighting had to be very specific for this scene, and you could never duplicate it on, on, you know, on an actual street. It had to be very, very fine-tuned for it to work. This is on the location. This is right there. Well, this is the house uh, where we found Roxy, in fact, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that kind of light effect on her face. Yes, it's that's great. But you use that a lot also in other scenes. In, yeah, no, in the in house. In the house too, especially yeah. when, when things are out of balance. I mean, it creates like a very imperfect image. It's like, which is like there's something wrong in their minds. There's something going on. They, it kind of enhances that. Because you shot this through the window, in fact, isn't uh -huh. it? And so enhanced yeah. The lighting, the light was went through the rain effect and then through the glass on their faces. This one you mean? Yeah, this I always loved it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a kind of a. Like kind of innocent. I don't give a shit idea. Yeah, it? but it's, it's innocent and very dangerous at the same time. Right. 
This is a bar in San Francisco, close to the center. We shot it all at night, I think, I remember, yeah. because we wanted to see the outside and see the cars passing exactly. by, yeah. and we didn't want to, so you can see the lights outside. So it's, a, it's a great bar, it's a beautiful old bar, it's still there, it's gorgeous. Uh, no, Chucky, give me a double blackjack on the rocks, please. What you doing, Hoss? Of course, I mean, he starts to get disbalanced, isn't it? That's what the scene is about. Uh -huh. And that, and Gus perceives that. Yeah. Gus realizes that there is some something going to, uh, something happening that makes him start to drink again, which, of course, has to do with his sexual attraction to, um, that she, uh, that Catherine Trammell, um, nearly presents them without, without giving it, really, isn't it? She suggested by pointing out that she has not... In the scene before that, she does not wear any underwear, which we have seen anyhow. And 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 so he is on the path of being seducted by her, while he at the same time tries to to be to stay the investigator, the detective that has to solve the solve the case, even if if it would be to the point that he has to uh, to arrest her. Yes, yes, it totally has a controlling influence on him, and. And he's trying to deny it and trying to stay the cop that he really is, but there's no way around it. He knows so much about him. That started, of course, with an article, that newspaper article that he found in her house. And then from there on, it's only building and building. Yeah, you guys are very funny. Hey, Jackie, give me another double, will you? Hey, shoot her. That is the internal affairs guy that basically uh, um, is in charge of his case when he killed the tourist, isn't it? And she's the psychologist that tries to, is in love with him, has had an affair with him, that he broke off for whatever reason, and um, but she's the one that tries to help him to overcome his psychological problems, while uh, Daniel van Bargen, Nilsen called, is the guy that sits, really tries to, 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 to uh, to make him feel bad, isn't it? To, to even to make him angry, and and hopes that he will be so angry that uh, that uh, ultimately they can eliminate him from the force. Stop riding me, man! I'll kick your fucking. So here's the tr triangle, really set, isn't it? What we don't know yet, and what we'll find out later, that there is something happening between Van Bargen and and Jean Triplehorn. I don't mean that sexually, but that Jean, at a certain moment, um, has been. Um, Giving him information. Information yeah. about uh, the, let's say, about about Michael Michael's uh, about Nick Curran, Michael Douglas, and of course, as a psychologist, she should not have given secret information, confidential information, to uh, to Nilsson, which of course was asked for by Catherine Trammell. Catherine Trammell, of course, knows Nilsson, what we don't know, and has given Nilsson money to get this information about Michael so she can really play him because she has so much she knows so much about him. <laughs> this was a scene that uh, that uh, written in the is, is is shot as written in the script. Um, and this was uh, one of the uh, scenes that the gay community in San Francisco really wanted me to change because they felt that it was a date rape. And of course, it is close to the date rape, and it goes up and down between she wanting it and basically perhaps being brutalized.
We had so many protests from the from from Glad during the making of this movie. I mean, like especially on the exterior scenes, they came to the set making noise, trying to prevent this from shooting at exteriors. This was well, of course, this movie is, has nothing to do with with you know being anti-gay or any any anything related to that. And you're not sure exactly what the balance is here, isn't it? Is it something she likes? In fact, you are not even sure if this is, um, if if he's in her vagina or in, or if it's anal sex. Well, you, but that, you, uh, that's a key thing. I think it's important that you don't know that. that no, it is. it's really what uh, basically something. In fact, it's something new between them that she is not sure if she likes it, but at she, at least she's adventurous enough to find out if she does. Isn't it? And ultimately, everything gets explained in the rest of the movie. I mean, her 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 attitude, her behavior towards him, is all basic to get him back, and it's like. I mean, it's tricks that she plays as well that you don't know yet, but that that ultimately will be uh, uh, shown to the to the viewer. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? I mean, she tries to protect herself by giving some information about Catherine Tremel here. Of course, she's always afraid that whatever happened to the two of them at college, which we, of course we'll find about later, mm -hmm. that that will be discovered. So she wants to protect herself by saying, but I told you about uh, Catherine Tremel. I mm -hmm. told you that I knew her for, at college. Of course, she didn't only ta told them half or a quarter of the truth. It's one of the Joe's, um, let's say, political incorrect themes, isn't it? The cigarette uh, smoking. <laughs> it's pretty gutsy of Michael and Jean to really do it like that. So really without any, you know, because it's hard to act the scenes, do those things in front of a camera, a big crew watching and make it still look real. Yeah. No, I think they're, they're, uh, all three of them were extremely audacious, isn't it? I, th I think so too, yeah. Uh, to do a lot of things that people wouldn't have done. And a lot of actors and actresses would refuse. They would refuse. They would have. They, they would have wanted doubles or stand-ins for certain shots, and and none of them ever did that. We never used any of those. I personally feel that the scene <coughs> with Jean is extremely sexual, you know, and 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 is or sexy if you want to use that word. It's very um, erotic. Okay, let's move on this. Gus, get out to Berkeley. Harrigan, find out what else she's published. Andrews, you give me that file on the parents' accident. Copy Beth on everything. I want psychological input on this. One. What about me? Oh, you're already getting psychological input, Haas. You go soak your head in a tub of ice water. Nick. You see where she leads. This is a great shot. I mean, it is a Hitchcockian shot, but at, at the same time, it slowly pulls you into the action. And before you know, you're in the midst of a big car chase sequence. I think it's a great setup for the for the rest of the scene.
where you introduce the curves and people swerving in and out, and you know something dramatic is going to happen. I mean, even the shots from the side when the camera is low, not these ones, you put all cameras on the car here, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we had four cameras on Michael's car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes you see the shots on the sideline, um, really then low. basically, and especially in the beginning, even if it's a, a medium close shot of the car, they're done from a helicopter. That's right, yeah. And Michael is mostly driving himself here, yeah, yeah, which, is, um, which you can see in, yeah, in most of the shots. Yeah, and really. actually, actually, he did hit that car there for a second. But it's like it's a very short, extremely intense chase scene. It gets it gets climactic very, very quickly. Normally, those scenes, are, you know, they milk quite a bit, and it's go boom right to the point, and then and the next shot, that's where the bus already will be, which is really. And this was all real, you know. Yeah, <laughs> we shot like, it really like yeah, that, yeah. and it was kind it, of probably it, dangerous. But it was, uh, very, it was scary sitting in the car. Let me tell you that. I was like really so worried that the driver of the bus or the driver of the car I was in. Well, we because we we had no. I mean, of course, there was guarantee that the bus would break, but still, we were really frontally approaching yeah, it, yeah, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and, and also uh, again. Um, uh, with with the, this, the, the the let's say the, this let's say horizontally curly curvy road, um, uh, remember again vertigo of course where the mm -hmm. where the where the roads are always vertically uh, vertical moving up and down isn't it? It's like a uh, like a, um, a synonymous to the to the Hitchcock scene where uh, uh, Jim Stewart follows Kim Novak with the up and let's say with the hilly roads inside San Francisco mm -hmm. and I think what's vertical there is horizontal here in that scene. Yeah, but the good thing with the curvy road is you never know what's around the corner. And that is like it has suspense from the very beginning. And you know there's danger there. And he's willing to, to, to risk that danger, to, to dare it. Look at the side. There is the church that I talked about in the interview. And that was, again, is, is kind of an unconscious reference to, uh, to, uh, to Hitchcock's vertigo. Because there's a church there when James Stewart approaches the house of uh, where Kim Novak is, uh, seems to have a room upstairs, secret room. I thought that the church was there because of, of, of Hazel Dobbs being, a, uh, let's say, a, uh, a, a multiple murderess that I wanted to counter that. But I think it was really Hitchcock that brought that church to my mind. <laughs> We shot this at twilight with four cameras, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, it? yeah. So well, we could do it every t two, three minutes. We made another, um, a another um, shot of the whole sequence where she walks out, goes to the car, and drives away, and the whole thing. So, so some detail in the night. So you really can. The city is still part of the whole sequence. So we shot it, I think, when it, when it started to be become twilight and went through about 15 minutes of, of shooting every two, three minutes. And then later, we fitted together the takes that were most, uh, let's say, consistent with each other. Exactly, yeah. Because you still see, see the sky, isn't it? And darkness mm. in the sky, it's not black. Yeah, you'll see it on the DVD especially really, really well. This is also like a very short, very, very climactic little chase moment. And and I like to think that go come to a climax very quickly, so you don't get a chance to get bored by anything. I remember when I when I got uh, because she's really a good in, in, in the way she drives. Uh, after the movie came out, I gave, I got a, a, a little note from uh, two um, lesbian girls, as they described themselves, and they say we are so happy with this movie, especially because with, the, with the hero driving. heroine. Catherine Tremel is A, rich, B, smart, C, a good driver. A good driver. <laughs> I think that's very funny. 
Here you do it again with the flickling right. Yeah, and you see that all, and, and it's going to come back several times in the movie. And you actually, and we, uh, we actually, the, the little smoke that you see here and there, we are, that's probably artificial, isn't it? What right, we did. right, right, right. Did you do that with mirrors, basically, that, that, that light effect? Yeah, this is, with, with, with all kinds. And, and this, uh, the, in the whole movie, there's a, there's a lot of use of color gels. Like the, the color in that room is like four different colors put together. So it makes it more magical and kind of very painterly. Because it had to be very sensual, of course. And I didn't want to get just like this room to be, in a way, you know, it's a red red room. It's like it's obviously it's like like the almost like the red district in Amsterdam. It's like right. she's she's exposing herself and she knows that he's out there. Didn't you do some of these scenes with the with the flickering light by having a little, uh, let's say, uh, plate with filled with water and little pieces of of, of mirror glass, that, yeah, that somebody uh, was moving? That's right. I had like a, like a, a little basin with broken piece of mirror in there and water in it, and then very bright spotlights moving over it and 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 and, and slowly shaking the water so you could get this nice wavy water effect over the over the sand. Here you, we are at uh, at the precinct uh, at night, so the, uh, that's what we, what we talked about before. We we shot, of course, all the exteriors, the plates for the exteriors for the for the translight were shot always um, uh, at twilight, also. So you have a sti- little bit kind of um, um, blue in the sky if you see it through the windows, and of course we change them, of course, depending what kind of scene we. We say change the translate depending what kind of scene we were shooting at what point of the day. I always like this act. It always makes me laugh. <laughs> what Gus is saying there? Yeah. <laughs> She's just that's him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a nice combination, the two of them, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. They couldn't be more different. And it's, see, this kind of reflection is done with polarizers that I change within the shot. So you see the reflection, and it slowly disappears, and I see her. Because the reflection, I think, is very important to remind your audience of where you are. And it is also, again, those little moments of drama that you add to your shots that really increase the tensity, the, 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 the drama. Again, she has put these things there, making clear to him that she has really gathered everything about him. And she uses it in effect. She uses it for the novel too, and it, she's, mm-hmm. she's doing the story, the story, the real story, our story, and and writing the detective no- novel more or less simultaneously, and basically following the same passes. This was the scene that I talked about before, when Sharon, after that scene on the the day on the on the balcony, um, where she 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 couldn't get into the character. That was the scene that the shot you just saw, the one before that, was when she started. Suddenly, where she was in character, mm-hmm. and she never lost it anymore. It was a kind of a magic moment. I still, I cannot. I mean, it always comes, jumps immediately to my mind what happened in, let's say, twelve hours. You know, the twelve hours that she went home, slept, and came to the set again. And I never asked her if something happened. You know, perhaps she, she I might th- not have an even answer to that. Th- it yeah, just I happened. Think, I think she just start, stops thinking about it. She just became the character. Right. Right. I think because she have to. Th- there has to be something of you in the character. There's not, you know, you cannot play everything. No, I think Catherine Termel is very well known to Sharon, and she she complained, not complained, but she later said that it was kind of difficult because she became so much the character, and she was not really too happy with all the darkness that was there. I think that's also probably a reason that she has hesitated so long um, to do a sequel because she felt that the character was so diabolical that it was mm-hmm. perhaps not much of a pleasure to become that person. And and I think 
I think she identified it with with the character on the set and off the set. Really. Absolutely, yeah. It, it continued after the shooting was over every evening. That's for sure. <laughs> Did we do anything on the on the windows there? This is no. I, the, the only thing is, that, of course, there's a lot of ND filters on the wind, neutral density, to because I wanted to make sure that you could see the ocean, you know, that you could see the water and the waves behind it, to again to increase that that to create a heightened reality. If you look at it, I think we used more, much more locations than we thought in the beginning, isn't it? Because it's all real, this, yeah, isn't this it? Is, this is real, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Just sucked into him. This is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> I like it when they get really, really close. Yeah. Almost lip to lip. And the day you shot those two tours. And the music is great. Listen yeah. to the music. It's so yeah. well done. I think the music in this whole movie is extremely well composed. It's beautiful. It has this kind of... Strange, threatening, yeah, melancholical, yeah, ominous. Like a, like a challenge at the same time. Yeah. It's like it feels like the music is challenging yes, him. They never tested you, did they? Internal affairs. Remember, remember the shooting scene is like, I mean, actors are that close together. How can you ever make them visible? I remember having trouble placing the camera in a way that you could see enough. To get the camera there. <laughs> yeah, to get the camera in there. Because you wanted to see the eyes. Without eyes, you don't have a face. You don't have a character. I think you got too close to the flame. Again, these things are always playing a little bit with this sadomasochistic kind of thing that seems to be associated with her in it. Yeah, the brutality that that he uses on her arms. Yeah, it's, it's like I mean, season control, but that's the only way he can use his react. control. Right. It's like he reacts. It's like. He he. She does it with his mi uh, his mi her mind, and he uses she got his him brutal now. force. Now she got him with his yeah. wife, isn't it? Yeah. Telling him basically, reminding him of um, his wife uh, that he, he yeah he d uh, apparently he drove his wife to uh, to suicide, isn't it? Uh -huh. And now she gives him the second blow, isn't it? After doing that, exactly. she basically says, "Here, look, this Roxy. Uh, this is really what I really like." Yeah, of course. You don't it, get yeah. me. I because I have Roxy, and basically it's more than enough. Exactly. You're just super superfluous here. So he's really hit, punched in the nose a couple of times here by her, isn't it? See, again, this is a camera stays behind with an actor. It leashes from room to room to room and discovers a new character. I'm going to have to give you a call back. Yeah, Detect let me call you back. Right. Detective, you can't go in. Who's got access to my file? What are you talking about, Nick? Who has access to my goddamn file? Nobody! It's a confidential site. So basically, this is part of her setup. I, I mean, Sharon Stone's setup, Catherine Trammell. And basically, this is what she wants. She wants him now to attack Je Daniel von Bargen because of the information that he got from Gene Triplehorn, which is visible for everybody in the office. He attacks him. I mean, he seems nearly to want to, to strangle him. They prevent it. It's very, but that was all planned by Catherine Termel. That's why I call her always the devil, because who could plan something so precisely? But she has been made clear to, to, to Michael in the scene, uh, the last scene between the two of them, that information came to, came from, uh, from, uh, from Gene Triplehorn. Through Gene Triplehorn, he gets the confirm, uh, confirmation of that. He goes to Daniel von Bargen, Nilsson, attacks him, and basically, that attack is extremely important for the next move that Shannon has planned, which is killing, killing Daniel von Bargen. So that it looks now, after that, as if, of course, killed him. Because he was angry, he attacked him in the office, everybody has seen it. 
and when they find him dead in the, in, in the car in, 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 uh, very shortly, of course, the suspicion will be on him. So she really pushed him around to the point that he has not to leave the force, but he is on leave, kind of. He is kind of, uh, he cannot work anymore. Thank you. This also shows how good an actor Michael is, where he has to go from ex one extreme emotion and, and then totally change when he comes outside and he meets his partner. It's really, really well acted. Nick? Nick, are you there? Go away, Beth. I want to see you. This key is something we're going to obviously see, use again later in the movie when she is uh, killed. Just before she is killed. Yeah. That's why we close up it here in this exactly, exactly. It's, so a, it's a Simpson uh, kind of little uh, thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I don't owe you anything. Now, you don't owe me anything. We went to bed, what, 10, 15 times maybe? It wasn't memorable enough to, to carry an obligation. Sometimes I really hate you. Oh, why don't you get yourself some friendly little therapist to work out some of that hostility? And maybe you can get off once in a while. No! <laughs> you nuts! Sorry. I don't usually act like that. How could you give him my file? I had to. He was going to recommend your discharge from the force. But basically, Michael's character is trying to clarify what the hell is going on with his mind. I mean, obviously, he's being fucked, you know, around. With, and so they, they, he's trying to implicate him in so many things that he's trying, that he has to now find out what is true and what isn't true. For him, it's very difficult, of course, to accept the fact that that uh, that uh, Jean Triplehorn, in her uh, part and in her, uh, as a psychiatrist, would be was willing to give uh, information away to internal affairs, which, of course, is his enemy, isn't it? In the background, what was this you see movie Hellraiser. again? Oh, yeah, Hellraiser, exactly. I yeah. was trying to figure it out. I mean, yeah. we use that because it's a, a bad dream that he has, isn't it? Like, That's a like showing his own bad dream on the television, right. and which, of course, leads to what, what Sharon has planned um, for him, being confronted with the, with the execution, I would say, of Nilsson. Again, this is like, you know, that first shot from inside a car. We discover where we are. We, with the character, we, we are being led into the scene instead of normally you would have establishing shots and show it. We go, we stay with the character because this is his world. He's being, it's his nightmare he has to deal with. And again, this is, again, the camera is his point of view and it kind of pushes us and discover this, uh, this character found dead in the car. So now, basically, she has achieved her goal, isn't it? She killed um, Nilsson, clearly. I mean, not because she had a problem with Nilsson. The only way she killed, the reason she killed him was her diabolical plan to put it, to put, uh, to make him suspicious or even look guilty. That's all that she wanted out of this, so that she could manipulate him further and, 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 Entangle him more into her spider's web. I mean, she's clearly a black widow, isn't it? And ultimately, of course, her plan might be just to kill him off anyhow, Nick. 
like she killed everybody off to, just to see if she could, can get away with it. So now the roles are reversed. Now he's sitting in the same seat that what uh, Catherine was sitting in at the beginning of the movie. And now he's uh, on the podium. He's on the stage. He's being put there. Do you have any evidence that he showed your psychiatric file to anyone? No. But he's a lot more insecure, of course, as Sharon is. Sharon's character. I'd really rather wait until I don't see anything wrong with Dr. Garner sitting in if Detective Curran doesn't object. Where were you last night? Home watching TV. I mean, and, and, uh, they know, of course, that he has been drinking, so he has to say yes. He's drinking? And now she starts to lie for him to protect him. Yeah, I was drinking. When you start drinking again? A couple days ago. I saw Detective Curran at his apartment about 10 o'clock last night. He was sober and lucid. Of course, a complete lie. Him in my capacity as his departmental therapist about his altercation with Lieutenant Nelson. He expressed regret and displayed no hostility. This is something that he did too, of course, that subconsciously, subconsciously he, doesn't, he does exactly the same thing as Sharon did. There's no smoking in this building, Detective. What are you going to do, charge me with smoking? And now you're using the same defenses. All right, Nick, I'm going to ask you this just once. For the record, did you kill Marty Nilsson? Only in her case, it was true that she really wrote the book, exactly. basically, yeah, to protect yeah. herself. That's right. And, of course, he was set up to look similar. And he, of course, uh, uh, Inspector Walker, his, his boss, basically looks through it and uh, realizes that he just... Uh, the other people don't understand because they were not in that investigation, of course. What are you talking about? What book? Private joke, asshole. I don't think it's funny. You're going on leave, Curran. So he has... Yeah, he feels uh, thankful... Um, to uh, to bat. This is the studio, is it on stage? Yeah, this is studio. We built a little part down here, so till about here, and then basically they go to relocation. When they yeah. um, and uh, and then when they go down, this is another location. Yeah, actually, this is a steadicam, and we built a tiny little one cable elevator in the center of this hallway so the camera would always be level with the actors going down the stairs and it's very normally very hard to do we didn't want to get the camera ahead of her so you always would look up we wanted to be at the same height so this little elevator so the, the setting operator was lowered down on this tiny seat and rotated at the same time to stay even with the, with the, with the actors and if you halfway, if you look back at it halfway, you will see uh, a corridor, of course, that is uh, that that they pass through. That corridor, of course, is not there because we only built the staircase. But the corridor is is, uh, is just a big uh, photograph, isn't it? That you see through the through the little windows of the doors there. Beth, I didn't mean what I said yesterday. Yes, you did. I'm a big girl. I can handle it. So this is on uh, on location on uh, San Francisco. In fact, it's the real uh, headquarters the real police of the police stays, here yeah, where we yeah. are. Back to um, back to stage. And the dressing on this on this set is so perfect. It really is the way we look outside, the ceiling, the lights makes it all looks really real. Yeah. Well, we did. In fact, we visited uh, we visited the headquarters of the police many, many times, and Terry Marsh basically copied it in some way, um, pretty precisely. Changed the colors a little bit, made made it clearly a, a wider because it's more cramped there, so that we would have more space for the camera. And it that's what we did, I think. Yeah, but it still it still feels like real. It didn't feel like 
as thing is nothing is done artificially no no it's 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 it's, 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 it's i think it's a pretty much of a copy of what is there yeah it's just um more handy for the camera isn't it it's yeah but it's 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 messy it's messy like real offices right. normally look like first you got her stealing your file now you got her killing nielsen forget about her for christ's sake go somewhere sit in the sun get her the hell out of your system you don't buy it do you she knew nobody buy it she knew i'd say she did it and she knew that nobody would buy it i mean he starts to realize what's happening of course to a certain degree while walker his uh, his boss basically feels that it is all him being interest, too interested in that woman, isn't it, for sexual reasons. Of course, no sex has happened yet. But, of course, the b movie is building and building towards this attraction to the two of them. And in here, in this scene, we now she has him really for her own, isn't it? He's not working on the force anymore, at least not for the time being. She, 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 got, she got him where she wants, wanted him. She has full access to him. Yeah, she's totally in control now. She totally can do it. Almost anything she wants with him right now. Reminding him of his lo losing his job, or kind of for the moment. I have attorneys. I have friends. I have friends. Money buys a lot of attorneys and friends. Well, I wouldn't know about that. I don't have any money. He doesn't want to give in to her, but... Gus is my only real friend. I wasn't talking about real friends. There he goes. Why doesn't Gus like me? I like you. You do? Yes. The implications are more, of course, than just a drink, but still it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. She's still postponing it. She still will get out. She wants to, to, to delay the moment as long as possible because uh, tantalizing him with offering, a, offering him the sex that he wants. Look, at the staircase that you just saw is also, if you, you will see it in a couple of other scenes, especially when they leave. Um, it's, it's based on the staircase of, uh, I think it's based on the staircase of Vertigo again this at the end yeah. of the movie, I think. It's, it's almost identical, yeah. Jack Daniels, all right, gonna have to be. Because this, uh, this scene with the ice pick, it's like, that's very symbolic and very, it starts setting up the ending again. The implications of this ice pick are quite amazing. And he knows that too, they both know that. Yeah, they play with the fact that she might have done it, isn't it? Yeah. And also, of course, he's a lot better with it than he is. He's kind of clumsy. Why don't you let me do this for you? It's all playing with the fact that uh, basically that she might have used the ice pick. Uh, the way she grabs the ice pick exactly. is already basically a proof of that. Isn't and it? also that means a little bit that he's accepting that danger that she right. creates. And she does it also in a very handy way, like bang, 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 and yeah. <laughs> big pieces fall off. So it's all playing with with, with the possibility of that that she did it, isn't it? In the meantime, it's also a seductive, a, sedu a, a seducing scene, isn't it? Thanks. So how much you pay Nielsen for my file? She just as if she doesn't know. Of course, later we find out. I think she, that uh, she paid fifty thousand dollars to get the file. Okay. How about if I call you Nikki? My wife used to call me. That she knows that too. That's information course, she uh, uses yeah, again, yeah. probably from the report, isn't it? Okay. It's a writer who's done a lot of research for her books. What Manny Vasquez used to call you? Bitch, mostly. He meant it affectionately. Do you have any Coke? 
I just love Coke with Jack Daniels. We used a lot of these kind of browns and grays and uh, stuff on her on her clothes, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. So yeah, beiges yeah. Yeah. and all that. It's always in these kind of tones. Once a uh, well, there's a color like the jacket she has here, which is blue. But ultimately, it's, it's mostly in the beige, grays and soft browns. You have very earth colors. Say, what do you want from me, Catherine? What the fuck? The original line was, what do you want from me, Catherine? But of course, Michael, who felt basically that his character should be stronger, and he felt that throughout from the beginning of the script. So we added all little kind of little things. And in this case, he added the word fucking in it. What, what, what the fuck do you want from me, uh, Catherine? Because he didn't want to give in to her. He felt that she, he was too much a victim, basically, of her manipulations and her brilliance throughout the script. But we got his character much more, gave him more. Um, and normally in the scenes, he had always, she had always the last word. Now at least he has, in one, uh, several scenes, he is still at the end of the scene on top of her. Yeah, he's trying to gain control again, I think. And that's, and, and, and Michael is really good and really understanding his character and, and, and all the changes that went through. Yes. And also accepting the, uh, accepting the shadows of your character, isn't totally, it? Totally, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Michael yeah, knows yeah. about that. I mean, there is so much to <laughs> read mean, in Michael's <laughs> face all the time, which is so great, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. She's kind of mysterious. She's kind of basically will, will never show what she's thinking. But with him, if you look at his face, it's nearly that you know what how he feels about everything. Exactly, yeah. That is the stack as we were talking about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. If you look at the end scene of, uh, of uh, Vertigo, it's kind of very similar. I think we mentioned it to Terry Mars that it was to be something like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And in fact, interesting enough, we never studied uh, Vertigo together, isn't it? No, I don't, have we mentioned that, you know, like... like yeah, uh, but we never looked at it before no, shooting. No, no. Did we look at paintings before we, uh, we started this? We, or did, we did look at some movies. I mean, we did look at some hits. We definitely looked at Rear Window. We looked at the Orson Welles movie, Touch of Evil. Right. I think that was like a key, right. key source. Especially, I'm not even talking about the the first scene of of of, uh, of uh, Touch of Evil, which is the glamorous uh, dolly shot, isn't it, mm -hmm. with the crane? Yeah, I'm talking crane. about the normal scenes when they are in the room uh, of the the Mexican guy, young guy that's arrested, where the camera moves back and forward, continuously to uh, among the people. This also is set, you know, which is very brutally lit with with neon and and leaves nothing to, over to the imagination in the regard to where we are. But at the same time, it's very sensual. The colors are very sensual. And there's this light in this, in this, in this disco that we had built, which is, almost becomes like a character. It is a, also a computer control that can move in between the actors. It can grow in, in density and in intensity and in the way the lights are moving across the surface. It's quite cool. And it's really it's used almost as a character in the, in the, in the, in the dancing a little bit later on. And of course, by pretending it to be a church, which was based on a disco church that I think was in, in San Francisco, Francisco yeah, or exactly. New York, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was written in the script that it was a church, but basically then Jan had this idea that the church would all be lit with this kind of fluorescence in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and we uh, tested them a long time, isn't it, to get the, the right colors? Totally, and and but also the the arches, you know, that are lit up by the by the fluorescence and the different the many different colors. And although they still fit the color scheme of the movie, it, 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 it increases the gothic feel of it all. And it's interesting, there is this kind of nonchalant decadent style in it. It's like, okay, that's all normal, isn't it? Yeah, it almost reminds you of Berlin in the 30s. Right. 
Again, it had a ceiling, I think, and it. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, almost every set had a ceiling, which is like, I mean, makes of course the lighting much harder to uh, right. hide it. But 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 this is kind of where that light is going to play a part in the movie. It's right behind the nerd now. The first song we had was a Belgian rock song, uh, kind of a house music, and this is the song Blue. A very fascinating song because it fits so well the seductive quality of the scene, I think. It took us, uh, I think it took me four months to find these two musics. The first one is kind of hellish because of this, the church and the lights and the whole thing. And this one is, is let's say, has this simplest, simple, simplistic nearly quality of seductive by making little, little changes in the, in the instrumentation for the little transition between what's happening. And this is, of course, where Michael Skaker tried to take the control away from... Yeah, by putting his finger in her yeah. ass, kind of. <laughs> It's very sensual, the whole scene, to me. Even though the music harsh, the colors are really up front, it's, but it's a very, has a lot of seduct a large seductive quality to it. Especially these moments when they look at each other are really great, I think. It's really like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> it's nice with the counterpoint nearly of her movements of Roxy doing this kind of cha 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 stuff, isn't it? This arithmetically yeah, strange she's dance that she does. Yeah, very, she's very staccato and they are almost like standing still. Originally I wanted them to dance really, uh, let's say Travolta-like, you know, <laughs> but we found out that the less they moved, the better it looked. I'm glad it? we didn't do that. They did many, many, I let them come to the yeah. studio and I wanted to do something like this fetish, I think. This is a, this this scene. I mean, this big love scene that took about uh, what three, four three days. days. Yeah, and and I remember that nobody could be on the set, so so we had Paul had a very clear idea, you know, what he wanted to see, what he wanted to do, but they all had to sit outside the wall, which is kind of silly because they were looking at a monitor anyway. But just the camera, the assistant, I think, and and, and the AD were in the room. Yeah, it was all very much choreographed, and nothing was basically oh, everything was discussed beforehand. Very really. specific, yeah, and then also, that, and it took sometimes long, uh, you know, a long time to get, you know, moving your body around. You can't see, you know, you have to be careful not showing too much and not showing too little. And okay, if the breasts are a little too high or too low, can you tape it up a little bit? Move this back a little bit. Move your feet up a little higher. It's like you have to give them very direct. <laughs> Um, instructions, instructions, which yeah. is really weird to give, you know, but actors. Michael really goes pretty. F I mean, both go pretty far there, and the shot where he's basically giving her oral sex is extremely suggestive, which was taken out of the American version. Clearly, I mean, the, he, his head is there, but like you see it now, where basically where he's really licking her, that had to be taken out. Like a lot of shots that were too explicit. Um, had to be taken out of the American version. But this is the original version. This is what you would call the director's cut, which was also, of course, the European, Japanese, and whatever cut. And this is, of course, reminiscent of the very opening. It's like when the movie opens and we tilt to the ceiling and we see the first Yeah, this first indication of, of, of that it might be a murder scene yeah, instead exactly, of a sex scene. Yeah. I think the scene can be that long because it's nearly three minutes. Of, of sex, which is nearly impossible, you know, to keep, keep that from out without being irritating, embarrassing, or, 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 or pornographic. Yeah, because I think the reason it, it, it stands up like that because there's so much tension in the scene. Right. You know that something might happen or could happen, and you're kind of waiting. Is this going to happen? Is he going to do it? 
And what is uh, what is how is he uh, what is his reaction gonna be? Right. The, the fingers again that you saw in the first scene. And then the nails that you see there on his back when she pulls blood. Yeah, the music is really great. And the hands yeah. introducing again the, the, the bat basically they will use later. And there you go, bop, which is the blood lines were done because she had little tubes underneath her, uh, her fingers that we pumped blood uh, through as she was making the scratching. Of course, it's not real. Not real scratches, but, but, but... The blood just pumped out. <laughs> yeah. But it feels like a real love scene. Normally, you know, those love scenes are always like very poetic, very, you know, elegant and soft and sweet and trying to hide a lot and nothing is said. But this is one of the most su suggestive love scenes I think ever filmed. Because you know it's, it has drama, you know there's no, because, any yeah. second something can happen. Well, especially you know, that he starts to really introduce, she introduces the scarf again, isn't it? Which was the beginning of the other scene. And the shots from the back that, you know, when she ties it up, it really, it almost puts him like he's in her prison right now. It was very difficult for Michael, of course, to act this kind of stuff because if you have to play fear and lust at the same time, isn't it? Because the fear that it, something goes wrong or that there's something, some meaning behind this. And the lust, basically, because he wants to be dominated. He wants to go to this moment of, of being able to be killed, isn't it? The, the, the ecstasy of that. And we're hiding, hiding, hiding. What did she do? And I love those moments that you still don't know what's happening till this, till here, till she releases him. She's nearly trembling. This is so. And you don't know what she's thinking, is it? Should I have done it or not? Exactly. Basically. Yeah, yeah. But basically, also, she was kind of by the sex. She must have felt that it was so seductive, the sex, that she felt that it was a pity to finish it by, by killing it. That's what I think that happened. Yeah, she's wondering if she missed a chance now, if she yeah. really has gone too far. But she far. was sedu seduced <coughs> by herself by the quality of the sex. Exactly, yeah. Although, of course, Roxy's going to instantly deny it. Yeah. Let me ask you something, Rocky. Man to man. I think she's the fuck of the century. What do you think? How long you been here? You like watching, don't you? She likes me to watch. Mm. 
I remember we reshot that shot because the scratches in the makeup were so big that uh, my producer, Alan Marshall, said <laughs> it looks like he, he, he killed he, him. The vampire, <laughs> vampire kill, killed yeah. him. <laughs> so we had to reshoot the, the scratches, really. It's the return of the vampire. Of course, this is all setting up the scene before with Roxy and this this look at each other is setting up for later um, where she um, is supposed to kill him, isn't it, Roxy? You don't even know if, if, if Sharon's character has told Roxy to kill him or is it Roxy's ID by herself? It's quite possible that she suggested it, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. If you hate him so much, why don't you? I mean, yeah, why don't you try something? Yeah, <laughs> That's what she would have said, isn't it? Because he couldn't do it herself, obviously, in that love scene. There was a difficult scene for Michael, and he did a really good job in changing dialogue and attitude, as especially, because she she just... She really... He really thinks it was the fuck of the century, while she puts it in a kind of a perspective, like, well, what? That was really not that sensational, isn't it? So, yeah, she just puts it in a library as one of the yeah. many... And that was the dialogue, but basically he felt, of course, that it would make him too uh, vulnerable. So he changed it around with a smile and the way he, he treats it. You're not sure exactly what he thinks about it. Yeah. This is, of course, Hitchcock again. Totally, isn't it? Yeah, many, many Hitchcock <laughs> movies have these yeah. kind, of, kind of ideas. We shot it with a crane, I think. Isn't yeah, it? because to get, a, to get that or something. Yeah, to get that high over, the, over that uh, cliff, we really want to see the ocean and the steps. This is a totally different beat, Ben. Yeah, that's the one we shot up uh, a little bit north of Los Angeles, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the few cheats we did there, really. Yeah, because the real location didn't have any beaches. No, it was directly on the sea, isn't it? Not gonna confess all my secrets, Nick, just because I have an orgasm. So here, he really states what, what we added to the scene and what Michael really insisted on, and he was fully right, that at the end, of course, he would still say, even if I fall in love with you, even if I have sex with you all the time, still, that will not prevent me if I found, find out that you are the killer. You can put that in your book. I'll get you. That was added, was not in the script, but I think that was very necessary to give him the strength for, for, the, for the upcoming scene, so you know that he's determined. And, and basically, dramatically, it's important that you know that he is, although he is seduced, he is still also on the path of destroying her if necessary. And it makes his character a lot more interesting. Yeah, you know? so it gives it more, more, more tension, isn't it? Otherwise, you would start thinking that he would be just uh, sucked in by her and, and, and is not um, working on the case. Yeah, that is. He, he would he'd just become a victim, and he's he wants to be in, in in charge of his own destiny. I asked Michael to put that to take um, uh, Gus uh, Western hat because I felt that Michael would look so good in in a cowboy movie. <laughs> uh, look at that, We're nearly like Kirk it Douglas, isn't it? Yeah, but it also looks like a like a an ad, a commercial for for some cigarettes too. You know, it could just be one of those. <laughs> I'm worried about him, he's worried about Rob. You gotta protect yourself, Gus, you really do. Well, what the hell for? You think I'm getting any? I mean, sure, I can get laid. Yeah, he would look good in the Western, that's for sure. Huh? He would look good in the Western. I think so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That diner was built, um, that's not there. It's under the freeway, and Terry Mars built it there. Very nicely done. It's because it seems to integrate it so well into the into the location, isn't it? Yeah, because we needed something close to where the rest of the action scene would take place so that we didn't have to make a long uh, transition shot from one to the other location. They had to be connected. And also it's connected to downtown. As you can see when they come outside, you really can see the whole downtown area of San Francisco. And at the side, in the beginning, when they came out of the of the nightclub, that's that's a uh, let's say a facade that we built. So it looked like the club, uh, where the Western uh, Country Club, that is um, is at the side of the diner. It took some time to find this music in the background, which is very nice because it's kind of melancholic, isn't it? Kind of the the music to, on the on the on the record they play there. <laughs> I like the reactions of the of Gusty. Yeah, <laughs> always makes me laugh when I see that. Well, his whole outfit is so kind <laughs> of <laughs> apparently is somebody that has a really admiration for um, for the western side of American western country side of American society, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's that character. He really, it's it really, it's befitting. Maybe it wasn't her that paid. Maybe the money was for something else. How the fuck do I know? But of course it was her who paid him. I'm just an old city cowboy trying not to fall out of his saddle. But he will fall. I mean, there's some <laughs> proscopic thinking there. This is through the window of the, of the, oh, the car. Of the car, yeah. You can see it a little bit better in, in the DVD. It's like, this is basically Roxy's point of view. <laughs> Of course, because it's it's Catherine's car. For a long time, we think it's Sharon Stone. It's Catherine right, right, Trammell right, right, being yeah. on his pursuit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And a real gold plate Seiko watch. And then we get to the scene where basically where Michael is uh, hit by the car, where you did um, forced us all to do three takes, Jan. This is man. Yeah, but I, and it needed to be right because. It, Right now, we'll, we'll get and to it. And I was scared second. to death because it's real, you know. There's yeah. no, I mean, it's not Michael Cleary, it's a stuntman, but I mean, the way he hits the. It's, it's just done in, in real, isn't it? He flies over he the car. He flies over the car, but he, you just have to fly the right way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't fly the right it might look phony. And even though it's real, it still right. might look phony. But this is a great setup. You know, I love those tracking combinations. It's like, like a shark, isn't it? Following yeah, him. it's like really. He's like really being caught by the spider now. It's That's really real, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's a great sun by the side. This but is even Michael. This, yeah, really. it's Michael. And even getting out of the he way, is, obviously. Yeah, yeah. it's Michael. <laughs> and he took some rest there. Yeah, I mean, we, sometimes you can see it by lo using a long lens, but still it was scary. And this is all in one shot, so it was a pretty tri tricky situation. And I like it when actors do their own stunts, you know, because you, as an audience, you always see it. So you yeah, know right, right away. You know, but, uh, normally, of course, you have always to cut from wide shot to close shot, it's where the end of the fall is yeah. them and the beginning is the stuntman. And you're, uh, you're always over the shoulder of right. the stuntman, you never know who it is. This is all San Francisco, really, where yeah. we shot it there. And then um, I think when he goes up the staircase, because the car is, is, is blocking him, that was done uh, by Michael himself, isn't it? That's yeah, all yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael doing that, well, going he, up. He, he has learned a lot too when he was doing the TV series in San Francisco. The, the hills, the, the, he, he learned a lot of driving, he said. He was like a really good stunt driver. He had to do his own stunts in that TV series, too. And he was a good driver. Well, this is the stunt guy. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> the guy. The car needed topple there, isn't it? Yeah, but he was really good, though. I mean, he did a good job. 
and then it's really here who's, who's bluffing the most, isn't it? Exactly. It's like Ked and Miles game. You want to play hard? Come on! This is next to the, what is now the Moscone Center, but that was not built there. There was an enormous uh, building pit there at the side. Remember? That's yes, where we shot it. Yeah, because that, and we used the pit basically for the, for the crash. And I, I mean, we could only shoot it these days because they were building and basically there was, and they were filling in, of course, the, the area where they were. So that's inside the pit, the building pit of the Moscone Center. But now the Moscone Center is there. Nice, which you would do that. All the lights you have there reflecting in it. Yeah, I like I like to use see you know so you can see the practicals and you can see actually practicals light the sand. Roxy. I mean, till the moment that you see the blonde hair, it could still be Sharon, of course, and, and then it ultimately turns out to be Roxy. The next, the next um, scene, I think, for, with the exception of the beginning. Um, is really one shot which I really like. That's one of these Orson Welles shots, isn't it? That starts here. Yeah, it's all. There's no cutting. This is really as much uh, the scenes of the touch of evil as possible, I think. Yeah. I also gets you the feeling of real time that that there's. You know, sometimes when you cut a scene up too much, you feel like like so much time has passed, and you know this is right in one that connects everything. She rolls her car down the hill in front of you and dies. Is that what you're telling me? That's all I know. Well, you know what then? Fuck you, Nick. Fuck you. So people always come in at the time we need them. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, this, I mean, you see this stuff right now a lot in TV series. Yeah. I mean, they all, what you, what you see now, like in those ER shows, whatever, they all have ultimately copied it from movies like this. There she goes. Hello, Nick. It's Dr. Myron and Dr. McElwain. Nick? They've been asking. I mean, this is a nice. Uh, Let's say pseudo Freudian scene, I think, <laughs> using all the jargon that. Uh, and I like how his character at the very end just wipes it off the table. Right. <laughs> this kind of friendly, let's say, attitude, isn't it, that is so deadly that they display that these psychiatrists. I didn't know him well enough. I won't miss him. Nick. When you recollect your childhood, are your recollections... <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a stuff. cliche, of course, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that's a cliche, and he answers with the ultimate cliches, isn't it, there, of, of... But it was a lot. Number two, I wasn't pissed off my dad, even when I was old enough to know what he and Mom were doing in the bedroom. Number three, I don't look in the toilet before I flush it. Number four, I haven't wet my bed for a long time. Number five... <laughs> She's dying. One of the two of you go fuck yourselves. I'm out of here. She arranged it to help him, isn't it? So that there would be a nice evaluation. Of course, he turned, he turned them against him completely. Something's going on. You're sleeping with her, aren't you? What's this interest you've got in her? My interest is in you, not her. She seduces people. She manipulates people. She'll do anything she can. I thought can you hardly knew her. 
I know the type. I'm a psychologist. That means you manipulate people too bad. I mean, she's lying clearly, isn't it? She is just, and and she goes too far. Then she tries to retreat, and I feel sorry for you, Nick. And he has a kind of a feeling, of course. She's not as good as Sharon's character, that's for sure. Right. Again, helicopter. <laughs> yeah, but the kind of typical Hitchcock show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember that there was a really bad winter in one of these days. It was very it? windy. Really crashed it was like, on the oh rocks there. God, it was like, like really scary. Yeah, it was like so windy. I mean, I think that's the only take that really worked. In this scene, that, that shimmering light is really used very effectively. Yeah, it starts already here. Isn't yeah, it? and then really goes. It's like the light of the, the of the wave, wave, something like that. Yeah, the uh, sun on the waves that reflects into the, all the rooms. In fact, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it, may, it, it, it is all of a sudden that this woman, this character who used to be so in control, is all of a sudden not so. It it, it shakes her. Yeah, her balance. It's kind of. Show some it's, of it's her. It's wonderful how because it's really uh, completely, uh, let's say, n uh, uh, disturbing all the time, isn't it? In yeah. Especially because over the whole wall here now it goes and it's fluctuating continuously. She left right after you. There's a really nice uh, acting of Sharon here. I mean, she's able really to suggest to him that she's really upset. I don't know if she mm -hmm. really is, and it it might just be an act of her, but she seems very vulnerable. She tried. Roxy was a manic, de manic depressive. I came to the house, etc. I shouldn't have let her watch us. She ha she would have been back in therapy. That was what basically what was supposed to be said to please the gay community, because it's clear that Roxy was a psychologically disturbed individual with a specific psychological disorder. When she went after Nick, she was acting solely from an individual psychological disturbed motiv motivation. She was clearly not going after Nick because she hated men. I think without this scene, it's also so good because it's all in one shot too. You know, her, all the emotion, you feel it's not like cut up in, in many different parts with reactions. It's like it focuses to Michael when it has to, it goes right back to her and always sees his reaction in the background. But it's also nice, of course, that that because somehow it seems to it seems to sim symbolize the waves, isn't it? So mm -hmm. we still keep the connection with the sea there in every shot, even if it's dark. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and this is kind of taken over by the fireplace, but it's still the same type of effect. Well, that's on the face. <coughs> in the background is really yeah. the 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 the, st the stuff you did with the mirrors, isn't it? Right. That's right. Yeah. I don't have luck with women. There was this girl I met when I was in college. I slept with her once. She started following me around, taking my picture. Now she's going to set him up, isn't it? Exactly. You know that something, and she's, she's going to tell him a lie. So she gives him enough information to go on with, which ultimately will lead him to finding out that uh, that Beth used uh, another name and etc., and that she is basically has a much more complicated background than we assumed to. On top of that, of course, that they were on the same college and that there was something happening between the two of them. But she she does as if she does uh, she gives him the information so cryptically that it's just enough to pursue, but not enough so that he understands really that she's setting him up. Exactly. Yeah. 
and he said he said at this moment that they 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 just made love that it's kind of over that he's in control again and and she sets him up right after it again right and he's, and he's at he's at the same spot as where he was in the beginning this is probably real information you know this is just basically something that happened to uh, to Roxy that uh, she um was involved in uh, slaughtering her uh, her brothers, isn't it? What was the motive? She said she didn't know herself, just sort of did it on impulse. The razor just happened to be there. That's what she said. I mean, the way it's constructed by Joe is that everybody uh, included Hazel Dobkins and, Ro and Roxy, and then, of course, in, as a consequence, Catherine Jamel are all murdering with, without knowing why they do it, isn't it? And mm -hmm. Catherine Jamel is the only one it has explained him in the scene with the with the book the first time her first novel that it's just to see if you can get away with it which is the real reason i think she used daddy's razor sure makes you wonder what they talked about when they set themselves down in front of the campfire at night you ever met a friend of hers hasn't killed somebody must have beat your ordinary everyday girl talk. I'm not sure anymore she did it. Which one are we talking about now, Hoss? <laughs> we know old Hazel did it. We know young Roxy did it. And the other one. Well, she got that magna cum laude pussy on her that done fried up your brain. He kind of gives, you know, because tells the audience again all the things that we know. And it's basically what the audience is thinking right now. How can you, after all those facts, how can you still not... Yeah, so we, we, so we try to counter that now, Exactly, yeah. And of course, we also have to build to the fact that ultimately the solution will be that uh, Beth did it all, isn't it? At least that is the police, that's what the police ultimately at the end of the movie uh, thinks. Even as an audience, we should know better. Yeah, well, the, fa uh, the very final shot, I think, gives a clear indication. <laughs> yeah, we have Tremel. So Lisa Oberman, of course, turns out to be bad, isn't it? Tremel is there. Lisa Oberman is certainly not there, but... The, the mistake being, of course, suggested by purpose by Catherine, by not pronouncing it very precisely. Exactly. Catherine said yeah, Oberman, yeah. but in fact, I asked Shannon to say it in a way that it could include the H or not, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she said Oberman. <laughs> I mean, that's the, but she sets him up, so she gives him a, a wrong way, and ultimately she, uh, he will find the right way. But she knows, as the devil, that she knows that he will find it anyhow, and will be surprised by his own cleverness, isn't it? Yes, of course. And then basically she, that will lead um, him to think that ultimately the the the, the person mostly uh, to be more uh, a suspect than Catherine is uh, is uh, bad. Killing isn't like smoking. You can fit. Gotta go. All sounds reasonable what she's saying. I promised I'd get her home by six o'clock. She just loves America's most wanted. There was no Lisa Overman when you were at Berkeley. I think the, the dialogue um, is extremely clever. Yeah, the structure of the plot is, is, is fantastic. It's really cool. It's and people really have always said that it was kind of, let's say that the plot was, uh, let's say, ridiculous. But if you accept the fact that somebody kills people to get away, to see if he can get away with it, I think the plot for the, for the rest is pretty clever. 
and the dialogue is 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 extremely modern and and let's say uh, especially in its in its easy use of sexual uh, terms and sexual innuendo all the time it looks like this is a computer program is it but it is a videotape that we play on the computer right, i think right. what i remember mm -hmm. to make it really precise so that you uh, that we can time it that we timed it before and that we didn't have to wait too much for uh, timings that would because when you would try to um, to do it in um, in real time, would yeah. be possible. Also, a lot of these <laughs> things that you see here, like the zooming in and all that stuff, is is still well. It's possible now, but it was certainly not possible in '91. So we are really ahead of uh, <laughs> ahead of time here. Especially the switching, real quick. Yeah. You shouldn't leave your door open. Here it is. Yeah. I didn't. Something wrong with my lock. What do you want, Nick? Tell me about Catherine. There's the people across the street, the dance group. Right. Something wrong with my, my lock. Don't forget that because uh, later, of course, it's clear that Catherine Trammell has been in uh, in in, um, in Beth's house to erase from the from her uh, from her answering machine a message that she spoke in to get Beth to the office where she gets killed later. So the key, of course, there's the something wrong with the lock. Is something that Catherine did, so she would be no, so she, that she would be able to enter the house when it when it fitted her. I mean, it's it's this completely diabolical plan that that she, as Satan, basically is 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 able to conceive. What we'll see at the end of the movie, we'll get back to that later. Well, what am I supposed to say? Hey guys, I'm not gay, but I did fuck your suspect. I was embarrassed. It was the only time I've been with a woman. Now this was supposed to be uh, changed again for the gay community too. <laughs> what do I was supposed to say, guys? I fucked your suspect. Am I'm bisexual? They look at each other. Bet. Does that matter to you that I'm bisexual, Nick? No, it does not. Bet. Well, it would matter to a lot of people, Nick. Well, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, did she tell you in bed, Nick? That's what I do. Why'd you change your name? I got married. He called me Beth. He was on staff at the clinic down in Salinas. Didn't last long. Nick? God, you, I mean, do you really think that I could kill someone? I mean, I never even met Johnny Boz. And what about Nilsson? What possible motive would I have to kill Nilsson? Get that lock fixed. God. She's evil. She's brilliant. I think Beth by now is start to realize that basically the plotting of uh, of uh, Catherine Termel might be uh, going against her in it. Exactly, yeah, and that is like really, and also the whole way it's not visualized. It really is it go to it, in to her right. direction. A lot of Hitchcock references in the high angles there in it, <laughs> and then basically coming down to normal here. She said you got it backwards. She said you Which of course you knew. What? I mean, that's it. He, he was going to find David Hob uh, Lisa Hoberman. Oh, yeah, clear. Yeah, uh, of course, yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is a smart cookie. Still think I killed people, too, right? No. 
another cue. She's pretty convincing and her arguments are pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Joe wrote that very, very well because it's so interesting that the movie has this ambiguity that you go up and down from, let's say, in the second part of the movie, you really go up and down between is she is she the killer or is, if it's, yeah. or is it bad? The moment he thinks it is her, then something else takes it away. Then and the moment he thinks it cannot be her, she puts him right in a situation right. that has to be bad. So it's, it's, it's very, very smart. So Nielsen had a report on Beth. So what? You don't know what the hell was in it. Catherine told me. So it all makes sense, isn't it? The whole thing here by by having the report being taken by by Nielsen. Catherine, she wouldn't want anybody to know what happened in Berkeley, but Nielsen found out about it, and that. Now he's by now he's convinced that that Beth is really uh, to be blamed, isn't it? He was IA. He, he probably asked her. She'd have to be nuttier than a 20-pound Christmas fruitcake. She's not the one who hangs out with multiple murderers. Your girlfriend is. She's a writer. This came one of the scenes we had the shot at, at twilight. And very few chances to do retakes or do multiple takes. Yeah, we did a couple of takes very that fast in a row. We waited for hours. And we rehearsed <laughs> the scene for hours, hours, yeah. and then had ten minutes to shoot it. Isn't it? Originally, the scene was written on the on on in a in a room, and then we basically when we saw the pier, remember? Yeah. Then we said, "Oh wow, that was probably a bit more interesting to shoot it on the pier, really." Yeah, it also keeps the city part of the plot. Right. It's a really nice pier, anyhow. With the light and the li yeah. we just got the lights on in it. Chance. At the very last moment, I have to say, because we were. Is that so? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, for some reason, we couldn't get hold of the guy to turn the lights on. No. She finds a way into every home. Yeah. Well, perhaps she copied also bad ski, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. Why don't you come over here and tell me now? Nice light there. So now he's almost in. In the, in, the, in the position that Bass was in the beginning. My detective's almost dead. So I got time for a last cigarette. Afterwards. It's good that she doesn't wear a bra, isn't it? Because it makes us, makes us easier for the scenes. A lot quicker. And she looks beautiful, so. I've got to do some research tomorrow morning. I'm good at research. I'll help you. What are you researching? Uh, new ending to your book. <laughs> oh, really? What's the twist? I think he has been nearly won over by her now, isn't it? Yeah, but then the music helps to make it look like maybe it's not quite right, right quite true. Right. That's why the music is yeah, because really yeah, cool. It comes in again with really, the motive of yeah. insecurity, isn't it? Like everything is not what it's supposed to be. Whatever she says. Live happily ever after. She won't sell. Why not? Somebody has to die. Of course, that's something that's a line that will come up at the end of the movie. Why? Somebody always does. And that might apply to him, isn't it? This was a little uh, suburban uh, yes, hospital somewhere close to San Francisco, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Salinas. And the interior is uh, is real, isn't it? We shot it there. Also trying basically to look uh, to work with very long uh, long shots. With our, I mean shots that are not interrupted by editing, isn't it? Again. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that you get a really feeling of being there because you're so shortly there anyhow, isn't it? So you get more of a feeling of presence, uh, of being present in the situation. 
Yeah, you find out the same information he does in one shot. I think it's always like right. exciting to watch. I think even here, I think we nearly not, don't cut. It might be just also one shot. Yeah, I think the choreography in those scenes is really, really good. I mean, it's like, uh, in a lot of the scenes, like the way the actors move, and it, it feels very real. It's not like so forced that they have to walk to camera. It, com it happens automatically almost. Yeah. Although it was sometimes we had a hard time to convince them that they had to make these <laughs> yeah, steps yeah. because it would be better for the camera, isn't it? Even if they didn't feel it as such. Yeah. I think there might be one cut here or something. Yeah, reverse cut on Michael. Yeah. Yeah, it's always hard to convince an, an actor to have to go to walk somewhere to go somewhere. Right. So was she ever a suspect? Nope. There was some talk. Ah, I used him, uh, this is the actor I used again in Showgirls, in fact, when he's the stage manager there. He looked like a stage manager. <laughs> <laughs> she did. But like I said, it never panned out. More and more information is being revealed. Yeah, I'm just making, uh, making clear that, uh, that Beth might be the guilty person, isn't it? Exactly. So it really starts to... Uh, shift from Catherine away from Catherine Trammell. Then of course here we start the, the final the final part of the movie where basically he realizes that um, that he's that she's nearly f finishing the book um, which is called Shooter after him and then he reads the, the, the her machine where she prints out a thing which uses that the word staircase his body his partner's dead body uh, from the elevator legs sticking out you can just read that of course that is really the way you're gonna find, he'll find his yeah. partner in yeah. uh, in um, in the next scene nearly she kills him so that would mean or that she's te telep telepathic and that she knows the future or clairvoyant you should call it or that she writes it and then and basically and then sets it up, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it's, and that's also what he remembers when he's waiting in the car outside the building later on. Right. All of a sudden he realizes what he has read and he says, "Oh my God, this is a setup." But then, of course, he still, because of the of the completely unexpected presence of Gene Triplehorn in that scene, and all the evidence that's planted by Sharon, it still looks at the end of all that that although she gave him the clue here, kind of. It still looks like a gene, a triple horn, and, and the police believes that, isn't it? We did many, many takes here. It was interesting because we combined the takes where Michael was, uh, where Sharon was nice, and then uh, Michael got really aggressive. That was basically their dynamics. And when, when Sharon got mean, he, be, he became very cool. And in fact, um, but the two, if, if you would uh, cut the, 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 the takes together, um, as as acted, they didn't work as well as when I cut the takes together that were basically from the different attitudes. So I used the attitudes that were not corresponding in the editing. As you can see, we took a long time to shoot because it was pretty bright outside. Yeah, and we started right, it's, to, it's pretty dark outside <laughs> at the no. end of the scene. Well, that's me to make <laughs> forcing everybody to make a lot of takes probably. But Michael did it in many, many ways, but it was really interesting because I mean, that that the editing um, could change a scene even yeah. even in such a dramatic way. Yeah, but also in subtle. It was very subtly done. Yeah. And I think that makes it. That is, um, again, shot with uh, three cameras in it, just uh, for Twilight's yeah, uh, situation. Yeah, yeah. 
And in the scene before, of course, where we didn't mention is Dorothy Milone, um, uh, who is Hazel Dobkins, uh, that we finally see a little bit more, more, more um, uh, that we see here, for, I think, only for the third time. Um, again, something is suggested between the two of them on a kind of a sexual level, I think. Do they have a sexual lesbian relationship, she, Sharon, and Hazel Dobkins, or is it just basically Sharon being interested in 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 um, let's say spontaneous homicide, isn't it? That's the building. Again, twilight shooting. A lot of twilight we use. <laughs> a lot of evenings. A lot of you know, just tiny little moments you can you you can do those shots. Yeah, the scene. This scene, I think, is shot in a way that you know he's going to die, isn't it? That's why we, for example, in the next shot, I think, after him, we have this lamp going from green to red here. At exactly. The end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly a way to make sure that the timing was right. right. But we sure. never got it on red. It's the orange, I think. Isn't it? I think we got on red, but you just cut it off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but even the lighting in here that goes slowly towards orange and red, the reds and and the building. Right. Again, this is the elevator where the floors are always the same, isn't it? The elevator seems to move, but it's not. Yes, yeah, so each time you open the door... There we put a different uh, a a different background there. Yeah. In fact, we shot it in one take. It's intercut later by the... But we shot it in one take, so we made these changes as, the, as, as, as he was going in and out, I think. But you know now that something is going to happen. Yeah. It's nice that it basically builds up as he stops all the time, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's really... It's a great, great build-up, but you still have no idea what's going to happen. You know that something is going to, somebody's going to die. This is the moment you talked about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is when he realized, oh my God, there must be you, something wrong in it. There's something, and he recognizes, and he remembers possibly what he has read on that uh, last chapter of the right. book. Otherwise, we cannot explain it. Otherwise, <laughs> we, we discussed it for a long time on the set. But what makes him go over there? How do I know? You know. Uh -huh. Well, we, I think because we shot it out of order a little bit. Yeah. There's one Rob Boutin shot there. Make a, a puppet shot. I think in the next uh, sequence in, here somewhere. There's one. There's a puppet. Yeah, yeah. And there we have the leg sticking out of his dead partner, isn't it? That's right, yeah. That's in what the that's elevator. That's exactly how she had written it in a book. There's a prosthetic on the side of his cheek there that we pump blood through. Freeze! And there's a carry with the sound here, a very interesting Eisenstein cut with the fast movement of the heads, and even the terrible, you have a lot of that. And this, I really like this shot too, this kind of. Steady cam shot, really, but keeps everything together. The shadow there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's really nice light there. It's the green is so good, isn't it? Yeah. Again, this is a, the very subtle color gels all over the movie, and this is like really. Well, we didn't. We look. We looked at Hockney a little bit. The yeah. paintings of Hockney, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And probably yeah. Hopper, but. Um, 
I mean, there she's, of course, crazy enough to put her hands in her yeah. pocket. And well, I, we were discussing how the hell can we, because he had her hands outside in the shuttle for, how can we get her hands back in? And, she, and we said, well, we don't know, but you have to do it, Jean. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're I, not going to... I talked about it in the interview that, uh, that you recorded, but it was really hard for both actors to do this because it was so against character, really, isn't it? Yeah, why would but you, it had to happen, yeah. of course, because it was for the plot absolutely necessary. But clearly, Jean would never put her hands in her pockets, basically, as a psychologist, while a guy would have a gun on her, isn't it? And, of course, I mean, and why would she grab her keyhole, her <laughs> keys, really? <laughs> Anyhow... It works basically, I, I think, but um, it was hard for them. And now we start to bring um, accumulative evidence forward that uh, it can only be done, have been done by, by, by the Catherine. person that was just killed. Bet, bet, isn't it? Yeah, but at the same time, you know that, you know, a person that would never leave that evidence behind either. So you kind no. of still suggestive that. Yeah, th somehow the police is stupid enough yeah. to, to take everything for granted, isn't it? It is too too simple to find it uh, as a as a uh, the San Francisco Police Department jacket there. Yeah, right. <laughs> As, I think we shot it perhaps also a bit too bluntly, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's the end of the movie. We cannot you cannot just explain everything to death or take the time to do it. Right. I think sometimes you have to be a little bit like that and get it over with. The, this, of course, is a blonde uh, wig that was left behind by Sharon Stone, isn't it? She made all these calls. She made a phone call to Jean Triplehorn to get her to this building. She she um, gave Gusty information about this uh, about this um, roommate. Uh, put that on his tape. All that, of course, uh, being uh, not true. And somehow, miraculously or satanically, that's why I always call her the devil, she was able to put all these things together in, this, in the right time frame so that everybody would meet there in the corridor and so that, that she set up the execution of, 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 of Beth by Michael Douglas. That she foresaw that it would go that way, which is, of course, quite, quite impossible, but that is her plan. And she planted, of course, on these the photographs there probably Fine. and the books... After the killing, she went to the to the room of Jean, put all these things there, so that showing that she had an obsession, um, uh, that Beth had an obsession for 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 Catherine, and of course the last photograph of this group there, she's as a, as a boxer when she was with the boxer, and this is the photograph that two photographs that explain basically the attitude of Jean towards um, Sharon. In the in the second close-up here, her jealousy, her fascination, her admiration, and and perhaps her love-hate relationship between the two women, and also the gun, of course, that we saw in the beginning of the scene was planted by Catherine Tremell after the killing of uh, Jean. So she must have rushed from the staircase, put uh, uh, to the staircase, put the, the wig there. And, um, and 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 the and the and the, the raincoat run to the ran to the moved uh, uh, fastly to Jean Triplehorn's Beth's apartment and put the evidence there. And this is all confirming, of course, that it can only have been bad. Again, it's one shot, isn't it? Yeah, it's all like. A you just can't tell about people, can you? Even the ones you think you know inside and out. So that seems to settle the case, isn't it? <laughs> that it was Beth doing it. Yeah. Although it's still something in, a, in his mind. It still doesn't add up. No, for, not for him, isn't it? Yeah. But for the police, it does. 
That's the last person that he wants to hear from, I suppose. Congratulations. Really beautiful trumpet music there, isn't it? That's a little Herman like, eh? (laughs) That's a little like Herman. Yes. (laughs) Again, Twilight, isn't it? Michael was always... Uh, after we shot the scene, he came back to me and said, "You know, that's a pity. I should not have gotten out. Of, I should have gotten out the car, but I should have taken a moment there. Remember that he said that, uh-huh. so that basically before I walk to the house, that would be be a really interesting, emotional, uh, even musical moment. Of course, we had shot it and it was too late to redo it. But I think he was fully right and would have even given Jerry a little bit more occasion to fill that in, even with a bit more emotional music. It's like the low." let's say uh, the melancholy melancholy of of the moment is that he killed somebody that somehow loved him being guilty or not and his best friend was just killed and basically and he's congratulated about everything so it's a kind of a nice tragic paradox there again she plays a part very well here being extremely vulnerable suddenly and being very compassionate fighting with herself pretending to fight with herself to to give in to her emotions for this for nick um, we never will know if there is any reality to that or not. Isn't it? But he seems to believe it to a certain degree here. I don't want to lose you. I remember he had big, a lot of trouble with this scene to get to this type of emotion. Yeah. He had to shoot it quite a few times. Well, it's a difficult scene because it's a little bit out of character that she would be suddenly... Uh, she makes a really big switch between the cool... Um, it's totally out of character. Yeah. So, yeah, and it had to be done. And, and I think she felt that, like Jean and Michael felt it in the other scene of the killing. Um, it was just to, to put the, the movie together, isn't it? We had It's like something they say that you have to say to the actors, yes, it might not be in character, but the plot demands it to do it this way. And fortunately, they were all willing to, uh, to give... Uh, to give me the chance to prove that that that, that was true. But those close-ups really are so suggestive because you know that her mind is going again, it's reeling, it's, it's trying to but figure yeah, but things out. Yeah, when you saw it in her eyes yeah. a minute, yeah, a second like, ago, isn't it? See, that, that is, that is, that's why she was so perfect for that part. Right. I mean, you know, she had to do so little to to create those type of emotions. Well, because it's in her soul, isn't it? It's something that she that she can command if, if, if she wants to. Might not be pleasant what she goes through, but basically it's a, definitely a, a very dark side that is always like right below the surface. Right. And of course, I love this that the camera lingers, lingers, lingers. What happened? Right. And then, of course, we find out that that like in the earlier love scene, nothing has happened. That she can't do it. Yeah, I think Joe meant this as a kind of a coda, isn't it? But I don't know if people would believe that. I, I always had a little bit of the problem that I was not sure if the audience would exactly believe at this point that 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 she would kill him. But perhaps. And th- this is I really like. This was really written very precisely in the script. I cannot take any credit for this. It included the fade out at the end and the fade in again, but also the way she she behaves, the way she stretches out her hand. Because mm-hmm. you see the hand go down here towards the ice pick clearly, but we don't know that yet. But the camera just just go there, just goes up again. You did that also with that little uh, camera, isn't it? That exactly. Yeah. Camera. It, it really makes the audience really think twice. Oh right. my god. And now he turns to the other side and exposes there his back, very vulnerable there, that she could stab it in like that, isn't it? And she looks like she's going to stab it. He seems to feel something. 
We don't know what their arm is going to do. What did she pick up there? Is there something in her arm? The music helps, of course. And then it's just an empty hand. Yeah, but also the, the, the gesture is so fast that yeah. for a second, oh my God. Yeah. That's a very And then it seems to be uh, the end of the movie. And then he wrote, wrote it like this, fade in, fade out. And I followed his, basically, his description. I don't know why it works, but it works, I think. Yeah, and, and, and this is also actually very Hitchcockian. He, he, who would, he would do things like this. You know, at the very end of and the movie. And at the end then. Really nicely scored by yeah, Terry. Yeah, perfect, perfect timing there. Really cool. Yeah, the whole score is excellent. Really, really. My excellent. first assistant was great, Luis Desposito, that I used again for uh, Hollow Man. Dorothy. Milone, that, yeah, long time, very well known actress on, certainly on television. Uh, George, it's inside. I thought he played such a great part as Gus. I think he really put that character down so Yes, so made it, well. made, and made the relationship between the two men so totally kind come of true and warm and, and interesting. Yeah. And he, he was like a really vulnerable character that you really cared for, so that when he dies at the end of the movie, I think you're really upset about it. Yeah. Yeah, we still used a lot of. I was trying to, uh, trying to figure out what we used them for. Well, for the car scenes and all yeah, that. Yeah, or maybe just a driver sometimes because right. you need drivers for just cars that move around that in the background. A lot of people that I see there that I used in other movies. You worked a lot with John <laughs> Frazier, <laughs> yeah, a lot with and 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 Coulson, a lot of yeah yeah similar. Dialogue editor called Hacker that did my uh, supervising sound for Hollow Man. Steve Flick, of course, sound effects added. He was great. It's brilliant. He also did the twist, actually. I mean, Foley mixer. There's some really good guys there. God. Michael Hutt and uh, Carlos and Aaron Rochin, yeah. who did um, Robocop, Basic yeah. Instinct, and, 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 and Total Recall. Yeah, they're very good, really. They the made the sound mixed all together. Standby painter. That's well, that was basically if if if, we, and if a knife would hit the set and the, yeah, and the paint would be gone. And that, that's just an important guy on the set. I mean, people always underestimate that. I I use them all the time. Even if, for instance, the color of a wall doesn't doesn't match the lighting or light. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly change the color. Just uh, right. paint it light green or paint it whatever it has to be, and they're really good at that. Yeah. Or even the perspective painting real quick, and they're they're, they're quite some. They're quite. Good artist. It was a r relatively normal sized crew, isn't it? Here, yeah, there was nothing. Yeah, not not really. Robot team, basically. I told you this: uh, the, the special effects um, of the makeup um, and the puppets, the two puppets of uh, Johnny Boss and uh, George Zanza. Um, both these shots or the several shots that we did there were shot after the movie a couple of weeks later uh, when the, everything was edited we came together and uh, Jan came back and uh, we shot it uh, we shot it in the elevator and 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 in the bed again in the bedroom yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so we kept these sets uh, present so we could because uh, all this puppeteering always takes forever isn't it to to have the eyes and and the mouse and everything moving at, in, a, in a coordinated way with a puppet is extremely complicated and 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 time consuming yeah and also you know it once it's cut together you know exactly what moment you need so you can really set for that 
Oh, second unit. I'm trying to remember what the second unit was for. Well, the arrow oh, unit, yeah, that yeah, you yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, that I definitely remember. I remember almost crashing into that uh, cliff, that's yeah, for sure. Right. <laughs> God. And especially that whole scene behind the car, that was like a really difficult helicopter shot. But they, yeah, but they got that really well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Were you there when you, sh when, when you shot uh, the car along, or, or oh, only yeah. partially there? No, no, I oh, was you did it all, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because I was not there. Well, that, no, that's, oh, that's, a, no, that's a different unit, yeah, true. That's the Raving the Rhythm is, is, is Channel X, that's the, that's the uh, Belgium group and uh, Latour Blue, that's the, the second song in the, in the nightclub. Hellraiser. This is the music again from the very last moment of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Repeat. Bye bye, Karolko.